So, Charles. Yes, Tansy. You know how this show already has a very fraught relationship with copyright law? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I do know that. I'm going to pitch a Star Wars TV series. <laughs> Suck my dick, Lucasfilm! <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we've kind of already dipped into the Star Wars copyright specifically, haven't we? No, I just told them to no, sue I guess we me last inter- episode. Yeah. That's all, and that was the parent company, not Lucasfilm. Yeah, that was that was that that mouse. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in court. <laughs> see you in court, fuckface. <laughs> well, look, we might after this episode. We well and truly might. I really don't don't know anything about copyright law, but I don't think that anything that we do. I think at best we could be we could be considered parody. Yeah, like yeah, for legal purposes, this is a parody. Like, yes. let's just emphasize for legal purposes, this is a parody. It, this is this is analysis and also parody. Yeah, it's both. We're managing both of which are covered both. by fair use. Yeah, and also it's somehow an adaptation of uh, Leonard Cohen's very sad song "Happens to the Heart," as opposed to all of the very very happy Leonard Cohen songs that exist. I was always working steady. But I never called it art. I got my shit together, meeting Christ and reading Marx. It failed my little fire, but it spread the dying spark. Go tell the young Messiah what happens to the heart. Um, so what we do oh, on this podcast yeah, ordinarily is that we. Uh, being myself, Charles, and Tansy, Hi. take songs and we turn them into pictures for films, or sometimes pictures for TV. We take a thing and then we turn and then it into we turn a different it into thing. Another thing. And today I'm going to be. We shift it. Yeah, we we shift it, and because it's music, it's pitch, and also we mm-hmm. pitch the idea. That's that's the concept yeah. of the show. Yeah, it's like a double. Yeah, it's meaning. like it's quite a good title. I'm still quite proud yeah. of that title. And it's also a title that when you when you Google it. Um, comes up with a whole bunch of other stuff about like sound editing before it even gets to be <laughs> like well, you look up pitch shift podcast and it's like how pitch shift your podcast and it's like no the pitch shift up <laughs> podcast yeah so so this episode I'm gonna pitch a whole season of a Star Wars TV show right because I like biting off more than I can chew yeah yeah so just uh just for some other moods considering that this is um since like it's a whole series i thought i could have a couple other songs within it rather than just the one main one Mm -hmm. so uh if you're building a playlist for this show that will never exist uh you want to chuck in some jackboot jump by hosier cool love it a little bit of no No, i don't remember remember. by anna terraheim i don't know what that is. It's, uh, it's a good song. It was in Dollhouse, is where I first encountered it, and I think it's also in one of the Alan Wake games. Ah, I've played one of those. Yeah. Well, no, you don't remember this song. No, no, I, I, no, I do, I do don't. <laughs> Simply being was easy. Just having you there. other like kind of musical vibe that would be more likely to actually be used because Star Wars doesn't use commercial music 
is Mars by Holst. Okay, yep, cool, cool. Which, cool. like, of of all of the classical music that inspired Star Wars, Mars is the one that you can hear the most towards the end of the first film. You're like, oh yeah, no, that's definitely, that's just John Williams being like, mm. what is legally not Mars? <laughs> legally not Mars. Now, I remind me the the main theme from the Mars section of I fucking love the planets. It slaps. It's a good suite to put on just when you gotta do shit, because it's like every piece is distinct. It's not one of those things where it's like you can't clap between the movements. Like you can feel the clapping space between those movements. The clapping space. Now this here, this is what we call a clapping space. I try to be stealthy between the movements, but the clap of my ass cheeks. <laughs> Too dummy thick. So this series. Yeah, let's push this fucking series now. And and the series is uh, the, the same as the name of the song. Yes. Uh, no, it would have to no. be different because um, happens to the heart. A Star Wars series does not. That tell you anything about what this is. So uh, our working title is Star Wars Incursion. Okay. Or alternately, you could call it uh, Star Wars Intelligence. I like it. It's like Star Trek Discovery. Ooh, yes. Except we won't have the absolute clusterfuck behind the scenes because this will never happen. I didn't. I so, didn't know that there was a clusterfuck behind the scenes of Star oh, Trek Discovery. Oh, it was a big clusterfuck behind the scenes Ooh. on every season of that show. We can talk about that off pod then. We can. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, essential information. You know how, like, The Mandalorian is on Disney Plus? Yeah. Yeah, this uh, this would have to be on Hulu, which is what Disney does to series that are too mature for Disney Plus. Great. Yeah. So is that where... Um... That's where Love, Victor went, because it had a, a gay scene where people made coffee. Oh, no. Yeah. I love Love Victor actually sounds like because that's a that's an ABC show, isn't it? Uh, Which is a, owned by Disney. No, I don't think it ever went to air. I think it went straight to streaming, and it was meant to go to Disney Plus, and then they were like, "Oh no, it's gay. Put it yeah. on Hulu." Which is a shame because it sounds like that was like, what if Love Simon was a little bit less like this fucking white fucking cis gay anyway what we do so it's gonna be uh yeah it would probably end up on hulu not so much just because like i know everyone who goes into making a star war now is like it's different to all the other star wars but this one like genuinely is not a fun space romp it's um it's basically the americans in space Ah, oh, cool. I love it. And because uh, I'm budget conscious because of my previous career as a producer, for the sake of the show, almost all of it would be set on an Imperial Star Destroyer. So you, you wheel out those flats and sets you built for the films mm. and you just reuse them. Nice. Very little new sets. Although, like, The Mandalorian got around to all of that by doing rear projection, which uh, did really well. So who knows? Maybe I'm completely wrong to set it in one location. But it's mm. uh, it's my but show also, that will never exist. Yeah, so. I was going to say, the fun thing about this is that we can say whatever we want to happen because it's, it's fake and not real. Yeah, it's all fake and none of it's real. Legally speaking, everything is fake, nothing is real. <laughs> and it's all parody too. Yes. So I'm just going to barrel in if that works yeah. for you. I've got like a decent idea of the pilot, very vague idea of the middle, and then sort of where the series would actually end up. Cool. Okay, so your pilot opens with an interrogation mm -hmm. between like two Imperial staffers. One of them is a lieutenant, 
we realize her name is Lieutenant Sol. And the other is just like a probably standard stormtrooper, like standard issue kind of guy. Not a clone, just a just a dude. Just a guy being a dude. Yeah. And he's very nervous about the whole thing. He doesn't know what's going on. Like he absolutely has no idea. He keeps sort of trying to bend the conversation to be like, what is this actually about? And Sol keeps asking questions about like his family, where he's from, his wife, his kids, that kind of thing. And he's like, mm -hmm. after a while, he's just like, why am I here? And Sol, who is like a very cold woman, like absolutely fucking ice cold, is just like, your code cylinders were used to send classified information to an undisclosed transmitter, which we believe is being controlled by the rebels. And he's like, I do not know how that happened. Mm -hmm. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, don't bother with all of that. We know about your wife. And he's like, what? My wife. <laughs> he's like, my wife. <laughs> no, not my wife. This guy's played by Sasha Baron Cohen completely straight except for that one line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing like the best performance that he's ever done in his life except for my, my wife. <laughs> so he's like, my wife. And she's like, yeah, we know about her family. And he's like, what about her family? And she's like, her family from Alderaan. And he's like, I I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes into this really long family history about like some obscure second aunt that his wife has who's from Alderaan and died when it was destroyed. Oh, shit. So that kind of gives us our timing that this has yeah. happened after the yeah. destruction of Alderaan. And this guy is still absolutely maintaining his innocence throughout. And Sol builds this very clear case. It's like, you had the opportunity, you had the motive, you were up out of your bunk during these hours when the transmissions were sent. Like she's got an absolutely fucking watertight case and he's still maintaining his innocence. That ain't me. <laughs> no, and the, I don't know her. <laughs> and about halfway through this conversation, we drift to kind of like the other side of a two-way glass yep. and the other people watching this conversation where you have like a high level, like not a captain, but like high level sort of dude yep. in the Imperial Army. You got two of them, but the uh, the important one is Chen Tandist, who's like high Chen level. Tandis? Chen Tandist. We're giving them names. Cool. And he's like very like stone-faced watching this then you've also got his boss and with them you have Mieta Carrera who is a translator who we realized through conversation had noticed these transmissions that the guy is claiming yeah. he didn't send but Sol is clearly presenting him as having sent them so she gets to the this point where she's like do you have anything to say for yourself and he's I, just yeah, like yeah I didn't do it <laughs> yeah he's like I all I can say is that I'm innocent I love the Empire, I love my family. And Sol's just like, love isn't good enough, and leaves the room. And you see on the other side of the glass, Carrera's like, what? Oof. What's going to happen? And then the other side of the room opens, it's an airlock, he goes straight out. Oh, far out. <laughs> so uh, we open with the... Damn, that's cold. Yeah, the relatively Literally, graphic. space is cold. <laughs> relatively graphic death of this guy yeah. yeah no that's not the kind of 
like it's like not in, very you know, Star in the original War. Star Wars series, it's like we're gonna put you in a pit with a big old slimy monster that you defeated actually with with relative ease. It's it's never like we're gonna put you into space, into so space, you, like, and implode. you will freeze and implode. Yeah. So that's your opening scene. Then title card: Star Wars incursion. This ain't this ain't your father's Star Wars. This ain't. This is a whole new star thing. So after that, we sort of follow both Sol, who was the interrogator, and Carrera, mm-hmm. who was the translator. So uh, Carrera is like a Naomi Scott type, like young, quite nervous, like very fine boned, very delicate looking young woman. Whereas Sol is like force of nature, ice cold, and like needs to be an actress with incredible physicality, kind of like Tony Collette in United States of Tara. Did you ever watch that? Yes. I love yeah, so it's like the way that she could swap between characters just like you could tell even without costume who she was, like just mwah, chef's kiss. Mm. Mm. We love, we stand. So Sol is like, she's having a pretty fucking good day, to be honest, for someone who just basically murdered a cunt. Yeah. She, well, he, he, like, was a, he was a cunt. <laughs> yeah, he was a traitor. He wasn't. He, he was seemed a, fine, Yeah, <laughs> to and, be honest. Yeah, like he he did seem fine, but she gets a gets a new special little assignment from those two kind of more powerful imperial officers who were watching the interrogation. They're like, "Hey, uh, we don't think he acted alone. Like, just some bullshit Star Wars reason, code cylinders or something. It's like he didn't act alone. There's probably other rebel spies on the ship. We need you to find them before we make port. Like, we're gonna land in." some place mm-hmm. real soon a uh, little busy town like not Mos Eisley but that kind of vibe like busy space I was gonna port. make a joke about like oh where's some place <laughs> what planet's that on <laughs> but yeah they're like in two days we're gonna be landing and if we do have spies they'll uh, they'll probably run so you need to find them now and she's like can do sir Oh boy, am I all in on this evil empire shit. I love to fuck me up some spies. <laughs> yep. And meanwhile, you're also following Carrera, who is not doing well for having just watched a man get murdered mm. because, uh, as we quickly realize, she's a spy. Oh, fuck. <laughs> does, does not love to fuck her up some spies. No, does not love to fuck her up some spies because also uh, we realize quite quickly she's very out of her depth. So there is a small group of rebel spies who are all embedded on this one Imperial Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. So you've got Carrera, who is posing as a translator, mm-hmm. and you see her going to talk to Reuben Orm, who is posing as probably an engineer, and mm-hmm. he is, like, a fair bit older than her, not, like, ancient, but, like, sort of mid-30s, 40s. He needs to be, like... <laughs> oh, that's ancient. <laughs> Uh, and he needs to be like your standard Star Wars swashbuckling hero, but also a spy. So like not quite a James uh-huh. Bond, but uh, more Indiana Jones than James Bond. But he is very calming. He's like, look, you need to you need to calm down. You need to not worry. And she's just like, no, I'm I'm really worried that if they if they found that last guy whose code cylinders we stole, who we set up as a patsy, like if they found him, they're gonna find us. So she's really nervous about yeah. that. And Orm is very like, don't worry, we'll be on port in two days. We'll talk to Fulcrum then. And she's like, no, we need to talk to Fulcrum now. And he's like, no, we cannot talk to Fulcrum before we make port. We can't get orders 
just do what I say. I'm second in command, so you need to follow my orders. And she is, like, still very rattled by this. Yeah. So she goes to talk to the one other spy in the group, who is Cal Mager, who's a pilot and who is, like, intended to be their ticket out of there. And she's sort of trying yeah. to convince Mager. She's like, look, we could just leave now. Like, we could all just leave now. We can get out of here. We've got, like, a bunch of Imperial records. And he's like, we're not here to get one lot of records. We're here as ongoing intelligence gathering. And he's like much chiller haha <laughs> but i want to get out of the ship that i might get airlocked out of any second now <laughs> yeah you'll get out of the I ship when home. they open that airlock <laughs> oh dear so uh cal is like a bit more chill and a bit less like follow my orders like more like actually mm -hmm. engaging with what carrera is worried about cal has got to be the one that everyone's like oh i love this boy like chill, likable, cracks jokes. Now that's a that's, now a, that's, that's a, a boy, boy that I can get, get into. into. Yeah, that's, that's a, perfect a perfect boy. boy. Uh, my, my perfect boy. boy. My perfect um, can I also boy. just say at this point, you're very good at coming up with Star Wars names. Thank you. The trick is you take a He's normal a name and then cut syllables from them. Yeah. Well, good on you, Tangardum. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our team. And also Cal probably has a little droid. Cal's probably got like a black... Like he's basically taken his R two D two and painted it black. Oh, so he doesn't have a he doesn't have a little cuckball. <laughs> he doesn't have doesn't have one of those weak ass cuckballs. Uh, let's call it Ri. So he's got this little droid Ri who just for me, you know how like R two is like a dog. Yeah. Let's say that uh, Ri is like a cat and loves Cal hates everyone else uh -huh. like it is a little he's a bastard bit of a, he's a bit of a bastard yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically chopper and walks but... around going <laughs> yeah you know how like you'll know people with cats and they'll be like oh it's the best cat and the cat will come in and be like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i That's mean R.I. yeah they're little monsters yeah little monsters. Um, so monster I, I also so this is like our kind of our like og trio for sort the series. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are our three spies that we're following. And yeah, you get you get the sense a little. You probably see Cal talking to Reuben Orm, the other spy, being like, hey, uh, Mieta was really freaked out by the fact that our Patsy got killed. And Orm like kind of brushes it off and is very much like, Mieta doesn't know what the hell she's doing here. Like she shouldn't be on this mission. Mm hmm. And Cal's like, you're going to say that to her face? And he's like, absolutely not, because she's already a nervous wreck. If I tell her that she shouldn't be on this mission, she is going to get us all killed. So he, like, to me at his oh, face dear. is like, just calm down, we'll all be fine. And behind her back is like, this bitch going to get us killed. Oh, dear. Yeah. And uh, alongside all of those conversations, you're also watching Sol, who is, like, checking out all of the different recent recruits going through records mm -hmm. and starts to pick stuff up. She's like, wow, that new TIE fighter we got, the pilot never shoots to kill even when he has an option. And it's like, hey, these engineers that we got, um, one of them was heavily involved in the Separatists during the Clone Wars, which, you know, would not bode well for someone who is now working for the Empire, which supposedly came out of the Republic. And she, like... Mm has an interview with Mieta Carrera. Mieta Carrera. Mm -hmm. I can never decide whether you call characters by their first or last name. Either works. Yeah, she has this interview being like, are you all right? I know that it was really hard 
for you to watch that man die, but it's also very good that you reported him and it's very important. And Mieta is just like sweating buckets through yeah. this whole discussion. <laughs> the, the image I have of, of that uh, Jordan Peele sketch. <laughs> yes. The Key and Peele sketch where like he just starts like spraying water out of his face. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but at least, like, you're not a spy. Water starts dripping. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably as well that, like, Mietta is talking to Orm when she's called away into that and he's like, cool, we're all going to die. And so throughout that conversation, like, Mietta is very aware that she has got everyone's lives in her hands and she, mm-hmm. she like, just manages to scrape through. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I'm proud of this character for getting through this very difficult mm-hmm. confrontation. Yeah. So you're following all of that action. You're like, I would be that stressed in the same situation as well. Yeah. So you're following all that action for, like, most of the episode. Yeah. And you get to the end of those two days. They're going on to shore leave. Sol is checking in with her two Imperial commanders. And they're like, have you found anything? And she's like, look, I've found some things I'd like to continue to be put on this particular job. And they're like, yep, good, sounds good. Keep looking into them spies. And so they uh, they land in somewhere, the port, <laughs> and it's like an imperial-controlled city. So this is your chance to really just revel in those imperial designs, imperial costumes, that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. everything looks cool but is morally bankrupt. Oh, that's so hot. <laughs> looks cool, no morals. <laughs> and you see uh, Mega and Orm and Carrera are all like, let's get a drink casually as the friends that we are who work on this ship. Uh-huh. And you know from previous conversations that they're going to meet Fulcrum, who is their commander. So basically Orm is acting like their commander, but he's actually second. He's not in charge. There is another mm-hmm. rebel spy who is their boss. They're going to meet them and Sol starts mm-hmm. following them. Oh, no. And they're all just like, okay, okay, cool. Actually, no, no, they wouldn't notice. They wouldn't notice. They're all heading to this little cantina. Sol's real good at spying. They've all sat down in a back room. They're all waiting to meet Fulcrum and Sol walks in and is like, you guys are the sloppiest fucking spies I've ever run into. You fucking dinguses. (laughs) And then she's like, if I weren't your boss, I would be so mad and you would all be dead. And this is the point at which at the end of the pilot, we realize that Sol is Fulcrum. So she is their spy boss. Uh, spy boss, spy capture. So your main tension throughout the series is the fact that, like, the number one imperial spy catcher is a deeply embedded rebel spy. That's, I mean, smart. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like that as a plan. That's like a, that's like a Severus Snape, except without the, all the gross stuff. Yeah, yeah, no gross. So, like, we get a bit more context at your start of your second episode that sort of sets up the ongoing issues. And also, like, this is where you need that really incredible physicality of the actor playing Sol in that you can tell when she is in Imperial mode and when she's in Rebel mode. I love it. So she's still, like, a fairly, like, straight-up, no-bullshit leader as a Rebel, but she has, like, morals, basically. And she's a bit more, like, hot-headed when she's a Rattle Bull. When Uh she's an Imperial, she's very, like, cold, very calculating, very logical, but she's more likely to get angry at someone as a Rebel. Mm -hmm. And she is, like, fucking furious that all of them were sloppy enough that they could have (laughs) all been caught. So so they didn't know that she was Fulcrum 
No, they do know. Or did they? They do, oh, but okay. for that interview scene, the context on like why Mieta was so stressed through that would be that she was like they've been told not to interact with Sol because they're like that's right. your boss, but you're meant to have nothing to do with each other. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. And I think like Mieta is also worried that everyone else is as scared as her and she's worried that uh-huh. everyone else is as inexperienced as her. Oh, and no. she's like she can't keep her cool, so she's worried that other people won't be able to. Oh, yeah, so Sol's first priority is to find a new Patsy because they had to kill their last one. Mm-hmm. So basically, like that guy from the opening scene, they nicked his code cylinders and all of his authorization codes, and they've been using his authorization to send info to the rebels. Mm-hmm. We get like some more context setting up that this is probably between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Cool. Which is like it's it's not a great time for the rebellion. It's like hey, no, it really um, isn't, is it? Yeah, it's like uh, so one of our like figureheads, like she's not much of a military leader, but she's just fucked off for a couple months to go save her boyfriend from a gangster. Like, <laughs> yeah, the entire Senate has been dissolved, so now we've got all these fucking bureaucrats wandering into the rebellion. We just spent so much fucking money giving this one guy a prosthetic hand. <laughs> we, that was that was a big chunk of our budget giving this fucking supposed like Jedi in training. A fucking metal hand. hand. She really did. Leia really did just be like, "Look, this this rebellion stuff is important, but I gotta go. I gotta go get this get this this big dick energy man out of carbonite." (laughs) You know what? The city they've probably landed in is Cloud City because that had just gone into Imperial control at that point. Cool. That means we can reuse those sets too. So, like, your first few episodes of the series are very, like, spycrafty. They've got to get this particular bit of information. Maybe there's an episode where a rebel, like, prisoner has been sent aboard their ship for transport and they've got to find a way to smuggle them out without blowing any of their covers. Mm-hmm. And you get very much the tension that Sol will protect her cover over almost anything else that she's like super protective of like we cannot Mm -hmm. break cover, we cannot communicate, no one can suspect any of us because while Mm -hmm. I am currently the spy catcher, someone else might get this job tomorrow. So she's like absolutely all of their covers come first. Yeah. Yeah, no, because if you blow the cover then then you lose all of your access to the information that you need to, you know, do the things. Yeah, and Orm is not a fan of that. Orm would very much be like you're just doing this so that you can survive and she's like no I'm doing this because like my life is insignificant the information that we are getting is far more valuable than any of that mm-hmm. and like Orm and Sol do not get on you get a bit of context so that Orm assumed that this was his mission and then once they were all in place they were told that Sol was actually their boss and that Orm kind of has like more experience in the field but he's very like smash and grab blow shit up and get out of there whereas soul is all like let's do some spy craft let's mm-hmm. go deep wow. undercover typical masculinity yeah so uh you might be thinking tansy are you just repeating the lessons that were learned in the last jedi and uh yes yes i am but it needed to be said a little louder for the people and in the back. And also sort of the lessons that uh, learned from, like, Han and Leia's whole deal in the original. He's like, ah, oh, you know, I think I know what we should do. And she's like, you're a fucking idiot. And he's like, but I... Yeah. And she's like, but no, 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 listen to me. You're a fucking idiot. And then eventually he's like, <laughs> oh, right, I am a fucking idiot. 
it appears I have no brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> Currently, I have no brain cells because Luke's got our, our shared one. It's like, why'd you give uh, him no. a brain cell? Because he needed to go fight a fucking... No, it's the... I don't Luke know. Luke and Han have one brain cell and Chewie has constant custody of it. <laughs> so, yeah, like your first like four or so episodes are very much like not fun spy adventure. Like they're a bit more like high tension than that but mm. they are yeah, the spy americans. adventure yeah they're the americans and um it's thrilling for the sake of their cover i think soul probably asks that carrera acts as like her assistant because she's like i'm getting all these transmissions i need translated and mm. we learn through that that carrera is not a spy she is a translator and they were meant to have a fourth spy on this mission who was killed uh, at short notice oh, so okay. carrera was brought in with no spy experience. Yeah. She's gifted in other ways. Yeah. And Megar is probably like, look, she's a good translator. Like, she has stuff to contribute, but Orm is very much like, she should not be on this mission. She absolutely shouldn't. And we probably learn about episode four that the reason she is on the mission is because she's Sol's sister. Ah. Hey, Sol's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that Mr. Mr. <laughs> Learning that that song was written about the first black woman he dated has just <laughs> has just no, defined no, 2020. No, it was about it was about being at Coachella and like dating a girl at Coachella. It was, I totally it was about, about the first that. black woman no, he dated. I, it's, it, it is, but there's a there's a version of the story that he was like, like when he realized that. It's about the first black girl I dated story was like not, not a good. good story. He's like, yeah, it's like about like Coachella and stuff, you know, like a girl who goes to Coachella. Who and it's like, shut the, f shut the fuck up, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, so they're sisters and Carrera is not cut out to be a spy, but Sol trusts her, which is mm -hmm. uh, a bad combination for being a spy. Oh, no. Yeah, you can't, you can't have yeah. trust and spies. <laughs> So uh, in the mix of all of this, Sol has probably realised that one of those two, like, imperial superiors she has is kind of bitter and jaded about the Empire's chances mm -hmm. and is, like, very much a ladder climber, like, ladder climbed in the Republic, ladder climbed in the Empire. And she's like, I think, honestly, if we tell this guy that he will have a position once the Rebellion defeats the Empire, he'll defect. And she's like, he's got all that, all that imperial knowledge in his brain. Like he'd be a high quality defection, but we need to slowly turn him because if he finds out that any of us are spies and we don't have anything to like blackmail him with, we're mm. fucked. So there's like a very tense, very slow conversion of one of their bosses, which is um that Chen Tan Tandist. Yeah, Chen Tandist. Um, Chantandist, yeah, is, is what I yeah. believe you said. <laughs> Charles Tansy is his name. <laughs> yes, Charles Tansy. Uh, yeah, Sol is very incrementally working on that, whereas Orm is like, let's blow shit up and take some archives and bring them back to fuck's the rebellion. Sake, and she's Orm. like, for fuck's sake, how is this our conflict in every episode? <laughs> it's like, can I get a Laura Dern in here? <laughs> can I get a Laura Dern to yell at this man? <laughs> and like, Orm is slowly but surely turning the rest of the team against Sol because he's like kind of gets to the point where he's convincing Magar in particular that Sol would sell them all out if she had to and 
I hate Orm. Yeah, that's not a good position to be in. And, like, you can see where he's coming from. There's probably an episode where, like, maybe the one where they've got some rebel captured on the ship who's meant to be being transported and Salt deliberately doesn't get them out of there because Uh she's like, that will ruin our cover. Mm Mm-hmm. And Orm goes in some big, like, hero rescue. Sol has to save all their asses, that kind of thing. But at about halfway through the series, when you're getting, like, all the pieces starting to fall into place, they've kind of got Charles Tansy in their pocket as, like, they've got, like, some blackmail material, but also they've promised him that when the Empire does fall, he'll have a decent position in the New Republic instead of being executed. And some other blackmail material, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we caught you jerking it to hot rebel girls. <laughs> Join the rebellion or these pics go live. <laughs> but yeah, at about the halfway point when things are starting to look up, but also like Orm is starting to turn the rest of the team against Sol, you get this uh, this new character coming in, uh-huh. which is Grand Admiral Thrawn who is a beloved Star Wars character of none of the movies. I was going to say, that's a familiar name. Yeah, so he um, he was in sort of the first ever Star Wars novels were mostly about him, uh-huh. Timothy Zahn's Heir of the Empire, and then he appeared in Rebels. That's his sort of only actual kind of visual appearance. But for the sake Thrawn. of continuity... I'd like the same actor to play him as the guy who did his voice in Rebels. So let's bring out Mads Mikkelsen's brother Lars. Oh. And I also like it. let's paint him blue and give him red contact lenses. That's I you know what? I'm still into it. He will look a little bit like he's auditioning for the Blue Man group, but I don't mind that. <laughs> but like a demonic blue man group? <laughs> oh I mean, God, what if the blue, blue man, man group, group is demonic. Red eyes. Like that, I it'd be just, upsetting. That's that's my sleep paralysis demon from from now until the end of time. Is <laughs> a blue man group man drumming, but he's got like fucking red eyes, <laughs> and he's drumming on your skin. Oh yeah, no! So, <laughs> so Thrawn is probably like meant to officially just be taking a trip on the Star Destroyer. He's just you know catching a ride from one place to another. Mm-hmm. But he is famously a good spy catcher. And he oh, no. uh, he loves him he loves him some unconventional warfare and he likes to like analyze cultures' art and find their weaknesses and use that to destroy them. Oh, he's a yes. evil art critic. I mean, what art <laughs> critic isn't evil? Like, if he wasn't Lars Mikkelsen, he would have to be Jake Gyllenhaal in Velvet Buzzsaw. But oh my god, yes! <laughs> but he's sort of aboard this ship and. You can tell almost instantly that he can see right through Chen Tandist and he's like, hmm, this boy going to defect. Oh, dear. So he's like, oh, good, there's, there's spies on this ship and I got a week on it, so I'm going to I'm gonna find some of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry not to derail this, but the thought that just came into my mind was spies in the ship, there's spies in the ship. Yes. So he starts like prowling around looking for spies, basically. Mm-hmm. And Sol has done her level best to clear everyone's records to make them as unsuspicious as possible. She's probably set up a couple of other patsies that Thrawn mm-hmm. initially suspects before he realizes that they are being used, like that they've been set up because they mm. have family connections 
or, you know, they happen to be from certain areas that are sympathetic to the rebels, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He's like, but their art doesn't match. So what ends up causing problems is that he goes into uh, the barracks and he finds some posters that Magar has stuck up. And they look like standard Imperial posters. They look like uh -huh. some, like... Art Deco Imperial Propaganda. Classic. Yeah, so he's looking at that and he looks closer and closer and then Magar walks in and is like, oh, Grand Admiral, what the fuck are you doing in my bunk? <laughs> and Thrawn's like, you know, it's been a while since I saw a Sabine Wren original and Magar, like, you just see his face drop. Oh, no. In a second it goes back to normal and he's just like, a who? And Thrawn's like, Sabine Wren the rebel artist this is her work isn't it i mean normally her stuff is more sort of standoffish it's more graffiti but this is this is subtle this is her playing within the imperialist style it's very it's very beautiful <laughs> and illegal <laughs> i'm gonna have to ask you some more questions about that i'd like you transferred to another ship where you can't be controlled by um I'm going to guess it's Fulcrum, who's your handler. And, like, Magar is clearly shitting himself at this point. Wow. Wait, wait, did he say Fulcrum or does he say Sol? He says Fulcrum. <gasps> so Fulcrum, like, as as a rebel spy name, like, within within the literature, uh, there's been a yeah. few Fulcrums. Ahsoka Tano is probably the most famous one. Right. But both Cassian Andor and... What's his face? David Yellowo's character, who is white in Rebels. I've forgotten the character's actual name, but I always thought it was really weird that it's David Yellowo and it's a white character. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Uh, uh, Callus, that's it. Imperial Agent Callus. But they've all been referred to as Fulcrum. Yeah, like so title. they've all had right, that. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, like a code name. Like 007. Yeah, yeah. So Fulcrum, not Fulcrum, uh, Thrawn is like... Okay, so I'm going to need you transferred to another ship where your handler isn't. So for uh -huh. now, you're just going to chill in the hold, in the brig, or whatever equivalent we no. have. And Sol and Orm and uh, Carrera are shitting themselves because they're like, how do we get him out? Like, yeah. what possible excuse could we have to take him out of Thrawn's custody that doesn't, like, basically come up as the equivalent of writing spy on our forehead and be like, hello, we'd like our fellow spy back. <laughs> Basically turning to the camera and going, I'm, I'm the, the spy. spy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, without doing that. Um, and Thrawn's like, I, I knew, knew it. it. And Sol is trying to do it like very logically through like messing up the paperwork and changing extradition orders and trying to do like an actually logical efficient solution to this and Orm is like no we need to break him out and take him we need to go now like we need to blow these covers oh, Sol dear. pushes entirely against that and while they are arguing about this Chen Tandust is just like oh no I sorted that problem and Sol's like what do you mean what? you sorted that out and you just see that execution orders have already been signed and filed oh no and Thrawn like, Thrawn, like, storms in, being like, what have you done with my prisoner? And Chen's like, he's a traitor. I had done what happens to traitors. And Thrawn is like, do you not understand the value of the intelligence? And Chen is like, I don't give a fuck. Also, because this is on Hulu, characters in Star Wars say, I don't give a fuck. What are they, what's, probably... the, what's the swear word? It's Chris. Which is dumb. I don't give um, a Chris. <laughs> good good star wars stuff we love a star wars oh uh, do we <laughs> so 
So we probably don't like straight up see Mega getting executed, but we would definitely see that he is dead. He's probably out floating in space. Like big windows, soul. Yeah, he is like, this should be a gut punch because he is a good boy. He was kind of the the one character that- He was my perfect boy. He was the one character that everyone could kind of turn to and have an honest conversation with knowing that it wouldn't be turned against them. So uh, nice. he did. Yeah, he's like a, what's Diego Luna's character in Rogue One? Cassian. Kind of like that, like a good soft boy. Uh, like a softer boy. Like, um, uh. oh, what's a good equivalent of this? He's like Bing Bong in Inside Out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first comparison that you could make. I was, yes. I was like thinking like, you mean like a kind of like a Rick on Stark or like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Bing <laughs> Who's your friend who likes to spy? <laughs> Who's your friend who wonders why is he getting executed? <laughs> so even though like this wasn't Sol's fault, she didn't sign the paperwork, Orm is like, this is your fault. Uh. Like this is absolutely his blood on your hands. Go wash them, Lady Macbeth. Also, they make, <laughs> She's like, they make that's not even a references. reference from our galaxy, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, Carrera is quite shaken by this too. Like she's, totally. she was bad enough watching a stranger die, but watching basically her only friend die almost directly because of her sister's actions. Because if Sol hadn't gotten Tandis to defect, then none of this would have happened. Like Carrera mm. is shaken, and she is now susceptible to Orm's kind of like, "Hey, fuck Sol" message. Mm-hmm. So you get a few more episodes that are kind of the fallout of all of this. There's probably tightening of control and there starts to be discussion of some greater plan that Thrawn is involved with. And Sol is kind of like, mm, better get, mm, that's some juicy intelligence right there. Better get, get, mm-hmm. go get some of that juicy intelligence. Juicy shit, that's some juicy <laughs> shit right there. That's some wet ass intelligence. <laughs> oh no. Oh. We're broken. We're, our brains are broken, Tansy. <laughs> We're straight up broken. We're broke one. <laughs> and honestly, the fact that Sol is like, mm, better get back to work, just disturbs Carrera even more. And so when mm-hmm. Orm's like, hey, I want to file a report to Rebel Intelligence that I think Sol has been compromised, Carrera initially is like, absolutely not. And we've probably established previously that she controls their flow of information because she sends it Mm -hmm. through as part of her official translator transmissions. Mm -hmm. So initially she's like, absolutely not. But by the end of the episode, she has sent Orm's report to Rebel Command. Ouch. So your last two episodes would probably open with the information drop that... The thing that Thrawn has been working on and that Sol is like, I better get this information to the rebels, is that Mm -hmm. there is a second Death Star going to be built. Uh, I was going to say, is it somehow Somehow Palpatine Palpatine has returned? (laughs) That was really a line in that movie, huh? Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was going to say, do we get this all in an opening crawl? Like, the Death (laughs) Speak! There's another Death Star! Anyway, here's the rest of the episode. Actually, you know what? Is is the second Death Star introduced in the crawl of Return of the Jedi? It could well be. I think it is. Maybe George Lucas was bad at this all along. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, so that's that's your information drop. 
comes at the start of the second last episode and then the rest of that is just this absolute scramble to be able to get that information to the rebels because Sol is yeah. like, this is what we're here for. We absolutely need to pass this on. But she still doesn't want to break cover. She's like, I've spent literally years building this identity. You mm. don't know how much I've given to maintain this. If we can keep these identities, then we will. And Orm is like, to be honest, probably going to follow her instructions at this point because he's like, I already mm -hmm. put that report in. You're already fucked yeah. as soon as we go home. The second we get back to Rebel Base, you're fucked. So he's suddenly being like, yeah, sure, let's maintain these identities where I get to be an engineer and be covered in grease all the time. I'm having a great time. He's a he's a greasy boy. He's a rowdy, <laughs> dirty boy. Uh, Carrera has probably adopted R1 as well. Like, she's like, this is my oh. droid now. And the droid, like, beeps sadly. <laughs> the droid the droid doesn't like her. Like, cats don't <laughs> sometimes don't like their new, their new yeah. parent. And she's like, I'm just trying to love you. <laughs> it probably, like, she goes to, like, put a reassuring hand on its head and it zaps her and then she just yeah. smacks it. Like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one's like, well played. <laughs> but if at this point Orm is like, you know what, let's do what Sol says, Carrera is suddenly being like, no, let's, like, my dumbass sister is going to get us all fucking killed. I don't just mean us three, I mean the entire rebellion. She's going to get us all killed. We need to actually do something. So now the tension is not between Orm and Sol, it's between Sol and her own sister. Her Sol sister. <laughs> And, like, Thrawn would be starting to pick up on all of this shit, and Tandist would be like, ah, yes, this is a good opportunity for me to get off. Like, I'm just gonna, like, I'm gonna go with you to the rebel base. Yes, I will share all of the information I have acquired. Sounds good. And I'm not entirely sure, like, what your giveaway would be. It'd probably be the fact that Carrera adopts this absolute asshole droid, but Thrawn mm -hmm. starts to find them out. Okay. And instead of going straight after Sol, he goes for Carrera because he's like, clearly Sol gives a shit about Carrera. She's a weak point. So mm. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna like fucking imprison her or something. Probably use that mm. brain torture droid thing that Darth Vader had and we never saw again. Right. Yeah. That, that one time. <laughs> yeah. So Orm and Sol kind of put their rivalry aside to like rescue Carrera. They're like, okay, well, this is gonna destroy all of our covers, but we have the information. We're gonna take Tandis back. We have succeeded. And this is kind of the point at which you reveal why Sol has been so absolutely stuck to keeping her identity and keeping mm -hmm. intelligence. And we probably like not a direct flashback, but we learn that she was a lot like Carrera about mm. five years ago, that she was like this scared little rabbit who was mostly a translator who worked with intelligence but wasn't any good at it. And then basically the entire rebel intelligence workforce, like their spies, their photocopy kids, like literally everyone mm. were like, let's go to Scarif and get these Death Star plants, and they all fucking died. Oh, yeah. So she was yeah, they promoted. did all die, didn't they? Yeah, they died like dickheads. So she was promoted yeah, they, very they, rapidly. Yeah, they fully just sent everyone. They, just, well, they, they were didn't... like, everyone go. Well, that's the thing. They didn't send everyone. Everyone just went. Like, Diego Luna's like, hey, boys, want to go for a ride? And they're like, sure, Ken. And then they all died. Yeah, it's like, surely we only need, like, we need, like, max, like, four or five spies to go get these plants. 
Like, surely, like, more spies is, like, actually a hindrance rather than a help? Yeah, yeah, tell that to Gareth. On a covert fucking mission? <laughs> like, what's more covert? One dude or five dude? <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah, so, like, basically the entire rebel intelligence force was wiped out and Sol, as this, like, quite frightened young woman, was suddenly put in a far higher position than she should be and the only way she could deal with it was by shutting down. So she has been yeah. so against like breaking cover, against doing anything reckless, because she's seen where that ends, and it ends with a lot of dead people. Mm. It's the old trauma. But Orm probably has like he probably idolizes the people who died in Scarif. He's like, they did what they had to to save like all of us. Idiot. And she's like and she's like, honestly, I can think of ten better ways they could have handled that situation if they'd taken a step back and actually thought about it. So maybe we should do that. And then they're like, your sister might die. And she's like, fuck thinking twice about anything. <laughs> so Orm and Sol finally put their rivalry aside and they're like, we better go get Carrera out of here and then we'll take Tandust. We will go, uh, like... I guess Orm is a good enough pilot to get them out of there, even though their actual pilot fucking died. Sad. But they go after Carrera, only to find that um, she's not there. She's already been sent off the ship because, of course, this was a fucking trap. Because, uh, of course, Tandist is a double agent because you can't trust Nazis. Yeah. No, I was going to say... I. Was- <laughs> I mean, I feel I feel like I was at that point when you were like, yeah, and he was like, well, we have to execute the traitor. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think this guy's on, Their side. on Team Rebs. Well, that's the thing. I think, like, honestly, this character wouldn't be on either side. He was on his own side. And he's like, whatever keeps me alive the longest is what I'm doing. And it's, like, uh, um, it's basically DJ, but uh I was going to say, like, uh, Benicio Del Toro's character. That, that's Benicio Del Toro, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, his name's DJ because he's a DJ mad cunt. Good old Deej. Yeah, Tandas is only there for himself and he's like I will play both sides as long as I can but as soon as it comes to actually taking a side one side has a death star and the other side's leader just fucked off to go save her boyfriend from a gangster so you and know, they just, just blew their budget on a fucking hand yeah <laughs> a Jedi have hand a big hand you. for the rebels but just one guy hand hand solo so <laughs> yeah so uh, it's a trap mm. and I'm not sure of the exact mechanics of the situation, but you would end up with Tandist killing Orm. Being like, ah, look, Mm -hmm. my rebel spies, uh, you're better if you're dead. He kills Orm, and through some success of events, Sol manages to kill Tandist. Hell yeah. And it's very much a moment of, like, absolutely breaking all of her rules, all of her cover. She's acting in anger instead of in any sort of rational behavior. Mm. But yeah, she does manage to get out of there and she's left a trail of bodies behind her. So good. So she gets, she gets those Death Star 2 plans uh, and she puts Mm -hmm. them on a VHS and she's like, time to take these home. (laughs) VHS. (laughs) Good. She puts them on a laser disc. So she is like, ah shit, uh, Thrawn has my sister. I've got to get, like, I've got to get this shit to the rebels and then I've got to convince them to let me go after her because no matter what situation she is in, she's still a rule follower. She's like, I still need approval to do this. Uh, And also, like, 
going up against Thrawn is going to take more resources than me in one stolen TIE fighter. So she heads back to uh, the Rebel. They were all on a ship in Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. And yeah, I can't, yeah. I don't. Is it called like Home One or something? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We'll say that it's that. Yeah. So uh, we see Sol like heading off in a little stolen TIE fighter. She probably nearly gets shot out of the sky. We're at, we're at the last five minutes of the last episode. We're thinking, ah, cool. So she'll hand over those plans. Maybe she'll hand them to a creepy CGI version of Princess Leia. Like, it'll all be fine. <laughs> Woohoo! So she gets to home one. Deep fake. She lands. She hands over the plans. And they're like, okay, General Draven would like to see you. And she's like, cool. That man is my boss. That makes sense. So she heads off to chat to General Draven, a.k.a. the principal from Sex Education. Those are the only two roles I think this man has ever done. If he's done others, I don't uh-huh. want to know about them. <laughs> so she hasn't had like a like a hero's welcome because she's a spy. She's like, I just want to come in, hand over these plans, and then fuck off. And so she's talking to yeah. her boss. And he's like, so what happened? And she's like, uh, cool, so fun story. <laughs> everyone's dead except me and my sister and my sister's a prisoner and like you know she kind of does a full debrief in uh, more eloquent yeah. terms <laughs> well i was gonna say she also probably can't like fully confirm that her sister's not dead yeah yeah she's like she's point. probably more emotional at this point than she's been at any other moment in the series yeah. and very much like can we you know speed this up because i gotta try to work out yeah, how to, how to rescue not, my family not make my sister die <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd like to avoid that particular death if that's cool <laughs> with you yeah so she kind of lays out what has happened all of the information and draven's like so you're the only survivor and she's like, no, I think I think Mieta is still alive. We need to go now, though, if we want to actually get her out. Mm. And Draven's like, so there's no one to confirm your story. And she's like, well, no, but there'll be Imperial records if you want to get onto them. We need to actually, we need to go now. And he's like, because we had a report filed shortly before this that suggested oh. that you'd been compromised. Oh. And Sol doesn't know about this report. She's like, what What this do you mean? And he's like, Orm filed a report suggesting that you'd been compromised and turned to an Imperial spy. And we can't ask him about it because he's dead, as is the Imperial officer you claimed to have turned and the pilot who was meant to get you out of there and I can only assume your sister. And Sol's like, no, you need to understand. Like, that's None of that was me. And he's like, what about these transmissions that were made? with the code cylinders you were using and she's like i i don't know anything about them and you realize that this is almost the exact same dialogue from that very first scene oh no tansy (laughs) and so she's like no you need to deal with the second death star and then we need to find mietta because she's an important asset that if she's compromised he's like it sounds like you're more interested in saving your sister than the rebellion and she's like no she's an asset she has information if thrawn gets to it and draven's like i just need a minute to confirm this information and he leaves the room and you see Sol slowly turn to the side of the room which has a big window and then cut black end of series no (laughs) welcome to star wars everyone dies (laughs) oh my fucking god tansy tansy (laughs) yeah this is why it's on hulu instead of disney plus (laughs) tansy 
I'm so mad right now. Part of my rage is about like, how, no, those are my babies. You, you made me fall in love with them over the course of 45 minutes. Um, but also the fact that that's like a, a more complete arc than any, <laughs> than any Star Wars film or, or trilogy or it just, I'm like, damn, that's, I mean, that was easy to do. It was easy to do that in a way that like <laughs> all came together at the end and made sense and didn't involve anyone being a secret Palpatine. Somehow Palpatine returned. And it's almost like you pay for your callous actions from earlier in your life, later in your life. And there are consequences yeah. for what you do. Almost like that. Almost, yeah. <laughs> and like no one was secretly harboring lots and lots of little midichlorians in their special blood oh no and, one uh, like that's one of the things that it's like oh this is hulu not disney plus no force sensitivity like we're doing a star wars with no sauce <laughs> no star wars sauce on the no. star wars pizza no this is just a plate of it's a star, star wars, wars cheese pizza <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a star wars cheese and garlic pizza it's a star it doesn't wars have pizza the bianca <laughs> star wars pizza bianca <laughs> Pizza Bianca could well be one of the the members of, um, of Max Rebo's spy group. cantina band. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, we have our spies: Ruben Orm, Kai Madera, and Pizza Bianca. <laughs> anyway, um, well, yeah, that was great. Uh, let's greenlight it. Um, yeah, let's get, make it. And it's get like the president of Hulu on the phone. It's one of those things where I'm like, uh, get Katzenberg on the phone as well, but just to be like, "Fuck you, you suck." <laughs> It's Fight me! Also, like, why are we calling Katzenberg? He works for DreamWorks. I mean, call him anyway, because... No, see, cause... <laughs> that was already on my mind. Because of Quibi. Oh, because of Quibi. Yeah. He was already in my brain. This is further proof of our forced dyad, because I'm currently reading Disney War. Yes. Yeah. Which is I did, all, I did see that, that on Katzenberg. Your, yeah. We, I mean, we truly are a forced diet, aren't we? Yes, we truly are. And I, and of the two of us, I am the Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hopeless little emotional baby man. And I'm the Ray in that I'm going to like force myself into being adopted by two grown adults who I like and then disappear onto a desert for many years with my cat. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Ray just, Ray fucking kidnaps BB-8. Like, yeah. when did she ever ask Poe if she could take his droid to her sand planet? Like, yeah. what? Like, theoretically she was coming back, but also it doesn't seem like she's coming back. No, she's going to Luke Skywalker that shit. But like, like Luke Skywalker... <laughs> It's also, it's that thing where it's like, ah, she's home. Luke Skywalker's home. It's like, Luke Skywalker did everything that he could to leave, leave there and place. come back. He didn't really have any positive memories other than going to Tashi Station to get some power converters. Look, maybe Luke Skywalker is just like Bruce Springsteen. He's Mr. Born to Run, but he lives <laughs> 10 miles from his hometown. Anyway, what I was going to say before we got sidetracked by about a million different things mm. is that it's Iger, isn't it, Disney? Bob Iger, yes. Yeah, Iger. We should call him and tell him to go fuck himself. Well, but I mean, also like, Katzenberg and also J.J. Abrams. Were you going for Kathleen when you said Katzenberg? Because that's like a lot of no, the same I just letters. No, I just got the two of them. I got, I got the head of Disney and the head of DreamWorks confused. confused. I got them backwards in my head because I'd been annoyed about Quibi. <laughs> That's okay. So if people want to know more about your ideas for how to do established IP better than it's being done, where could they find that? 
Oh, they can find so much of that on my Twitter. You can find an entire Scooby-Doo they, they really pilot. Can. You can find me ranting about how you can do Iron Fist right. You can find, like, sometimes I even make my own IP, and that's the worst part. It really is. A, I mean, your your online presence really is a treasure trove of, like, moments where I'm like, why doesn't why doesn't Tansy get paid more often to make TV? <laughs> Which is sure, which is I'm sure a question that you ask yourself as well. Um, but yes, people can find you on oh, Twitter at... at Tansy Clipboard. That's where I am. Yes, where can they find you, Charles? They can find me at Girls O'Shady. They sure um, can. There's lots the of moment, good I'm content doing a lot of, there like, too. Thank you. Uh, do a lot of yelling at turfs. If you uh, want to follow us, uh, we are on Facebook at Pitchshift Podcast. We are on. Twitter and Instagram at pitchshiftpod. Uh, you can also flick us an email, pitchshiftpodcast at gmail.com. And um, if you would like to sue us, just bear in mind we have no money. Don't don't bother. Yeah. What are you going to sue me I, for? I have... A Scooby-Doo script and an old MacBook? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah i i don't even i can't i have nothing yeah i have nothing you could take everything we have and it wouldn't be much so don't bother just green light this script instead (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's that's best for all parties yeah space space this takes place in space those cosmic fights you know from that 11 is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri, Wiradjuri and Boonwurrung people. Sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land.